Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Thank you for joining us for the Season 3 conclusion of Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons. Be sure to check out our Kickstarter for Season 4, which is active now until the end of May. Packed with unique and exciting rewards such as custom watercolors from Storm or leatherwork from me. A one-shop game for you and some friends. Chances to play a character and more. You can find the link in the show notes or from our website at dicetowertheater.com. Act now, as these won't last forever, and all funding goes directly back to this show we've all come to love. In our last episode, Benedict and Zane discovered their mother, Ilona the Fair, is still alive and has been for the last two decades, held in a prison both of stone and in her own mind. This episode will explore her experience, pain, and loss. For this part of our journey, dear listener, your discretion is advised. Dawn Dragons, Season 3, Episode 10, Applehead. The battle was swift as the Misgard tribe occupying Garnet Keep had no idea what was happening. Those who ran were allowed to scatter down the stone bridge as there was little possibility for a counter-strike. The ringing of steel against iron echoed through the halls until all was done. The revolutionaries celebrated in the courtyard that evening. Dancing and feasting took place in the open by the old garden banks and by the great tree that stood in front of the forebuilding of the keep itself. The bonfire was lit by the old blacksmith shop, the light of which danced in the branches of the strong and ancient oak. Beneath that tree stood a powerful woman, leaning on a great glaive, her face now washed, revealing her once golden hair ran with more silver these days. Her sky-blue eyes held the youthful fire, though. The years showed in the worn, rose-beige skin surrounding them. But she smiled, and seeing her face again brought such a warmth to my heart. Twenty. Twenty years, Keldor. It... It seems impossible. Yes, Alona. Twenty. Twenty long years, old friend. But she still stands. As do you. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, she does, doesn't she? My ancient oak. I've often wondered, Keldor, has she always stood here? When this keep was built, was she but a sapling? Hmm. I like to think so, Alona. Elaviv had returned to our reunion under the tree, carrying three goblets of sweet mead from the celebration. Ah, <laughs> to say I missed you, Elaviv, would fall so short. I don't remember anything. I thought I lost you all. Lucilius. <laughs> My boys. Your boys are here too, Alona. <laughs> Come, please sit. Let's take it back. But I... Let's just see if we can fill in the gaps. Not looking to solve, just... Just remove some confusion. Okay? Ilona's face was buried in Elaviv's arms. Elaviv looked at me, her face tormented with the sympathy of her friend's pain. I... I don't think she's ready, Keldor. No. I'm ready. I can do it. The three of us sat down on the large exposed roots of the massive tree. The moss was soft to my hand as I eased myself down, offering a hand upward to Alona, who smiled, taking it politely as she sat down easily. One thing was certain, she didn't share the complaints I did in my lower back. She was as strong of an athlete as, as when I last saw her. place is amazing. Look at that. Cordelia had left the celebration to reacquaint herself with the home of her childhood. She was only a few months old when they were chased away, but there were flashes. Bits of feeling, at least. The largely unused second-floor hall slowly showed less and less of the mud and iron decorations the Miskard had used, and more ancient banners became visible. Banners similar to the ones in the Celestine Tower, depicting historic battles, such as a king in solid ebony stood on a frozen battlefield. The helmet on his head sprouted two elk-like antlers, and in his hand was a dark staff topped with a sphere of onyx. Lightning poured from his hands across the soldiers before him, and behind a banner emblazoned with a wolf. Wow. I wonder who you are. What the- Cordelia heard the faint voice in the next room. Peering into the corner chamber, she saw two great ancient windows that opened up to a view of the lake behind the keep. The moonlight danced off the short ripples in the water, casting a blue-white glow into the room, only disturbed by the torch in her hand. There was a crib here, and several old books on the table, all lost to rot and time being exposed here. The room was not to be used in all seasons, of course. Summertime. 
We left during the summertime. She thumbed the books on the table gently. Nursery rhymes mainly, and a short tale about a clumsy dragon. She smiled at that. Well, what are you? Below the pile of books was a single white leather tome in pristine condition, as if immune to the elements themselves. Ilona could feel the cold stone of the prison still. Mold and decay left a rancid smell that stuck to the skin and to her spirit. Following the siege, the bandits threw me in the keep's dungeon below. The one we never used. I wasn't chained, just locked up. I counted days in the number of naps I took. I never truly slept. My mind was nothing but a pool of lost dreams and fractured memories. I placed tallies on the wall with a small stone until there was nothing left, and then gave up. I would sleep two or three times before they would give me anything to eat. And even then it was hardly anything. A cup of rice water or the end of a ham bone. A moldy piece of fruit. The damp stones of the wall soon became greasy from my hands, constantly feeling, trying to stay busy, trying to stay sane. But I just sat there in the darkness, waiting, until one day... There's someone down here too. Well, hello. And who are you? I am... I hadn't heard my own voice in so long. All I could do was force air past the dry cords of my throat and hope. He just laughed at me. <laughs> well, come here, my little friend, and look into my eyes. should have taken that step. But he was to be my liberator, my new ally. The desperate mind does desperate things. His name was Spilge, a witch master of the Mistguard tribe. The Mistguard were led by King Carrig, a cruel man who delighted in terrorizing his victims before slaying them. I thought I was to be slain as well, but then I was reunited with Tempest, my glaive. <laughs> the girl knows that weapon? <laughs> Great. Then use it. Burgle! Nurgle! Well, they saw something in me. I made quick work of those two warriors right here, actually. By this tree. I can still hear Carrick laughing as he named me Bright Oak after my tree. Then made me one of the tribe. Spilge had cast a deep charm on me, which grew even tighter around my reality. My very soul. Making me believe I had always been one of them. I 
fell deeper into this living nightmare. I started decorating myself with moss and mud, hiding my humanity, and became feral and animalistic, embracing the tribe's values of blood, war, and vengeance. She looked up at me. Tears had ceased to flow. The sky-blue pools in Ilona's eyes validated the truth of words, even if I wished to refute it. But now a level of clarity came to them. I wandered to the second floor one day. No one had any interest, and I just felt a bit of wanderlust. Something called my footsteps to a familiar yet unfamiliar room. In the center was a scorched crib. This meant something to me, but I didn't know what. I wandered back to the meat hall and rejoined the feasting. Then I started having dreams. I dreamt of the children. I could see Zane taking cookies from the baker's racks and looking at me innocently when I scolded him. I saw Lucilius smiling behind his dark beard at the baby in that crib. But the crib had no marks, no burns. I woke that night unable to go back to sleep. It seemed then this false reality Spilge had woven was beginning to crack. I walked back to the second floor into the front of the floor building, where I found the crib. I carried it downstairs into my room. Over the next few days, I found an old baby's gown and began twisting old grey rags into a body's shape, stitching it together loosely. I formed a body's shape that matched the shape of the hole in my heart. I placed the gown over its soft terry cloth shoulders. I cradled it in my arms, pulling it closely to my chest. This was familiar. It was helping me realize what I was missing in my torn heart. But the palm of my hand felt empty, incomplete. Days went by as I tried stones by the lake in my hand and even pine cones. But it was in the feasting hall. I sat next to Spilge, who grabbed an apple from the center of the table. <laughs> I snatched it from his hand. Hey! <laughs> Find them. Take it. I ignored him as I stared at the apple, imagining something. Perfect. I took it to my room and began removing the pieces that didn't belong to my vision from the apple with my dagger. After a few hours, I happily placed it on the doll's body and then held it. The hole in my heart began chipping away at that spell. I remembered events or emotions briefly, but 
most importantly, I, I thought I heard names. Your names. The tribe became restless, talking of an incoming invasion. Many members snuck off into the night, deserting the tribe. I stayed. I would stay my ground for this building and the memories it held. I was realizing that was the real me. And I would outlast them all. Then the invasion came. <laughs> and so did my sons. We all embraced under the great oak and the sounds of dancing and merriment would carry into the evening. Ilona the Fair had returned to Garnet Keep, though physically she had never left. Hey! I'm not interrupting, am I? <laughs> no, Cordelia. You look so much like Laura, doesn't she? Absolutely. Yes. I thought so many times. Oh, well thanks, but I found this in the old South Nursery, the one outside where the fire was. A book? It looks familiar, but it's blank to me. Wait. What do you see, Cordelia? Only my mother's name on the back. <laughs> Alone, missing something. Then. Oh, come on! Don't tell me you two forgot about Laura's spell book. Oh, yeah. Wow, that, that's, that's right. She had locked down. That makes sense why we can't see anything. Cordelia, your mother used a single word to lock that spell book. How would I know what word to use? <laughs> it was the one thing that meant everything to her the entire world and she made that spell book. Realization washed over her as she held the soft white leather book in her hand. She looked at the smiling faces of the three elders in her life. She smiled and placing her left hand on the book spoke. Cordelia. The book flared and in an instant was gone. No, but I, I was sure. I... No. <laughs> oh, you were right, child. Where would Laura Hanna keep a spell book? Ilona held her hands gently as she turned them over, revealing the tattoo of a white book on Cordelia's left wrist. That is how we left Darkovnia, uh, returned to Ellington, joined our friends at the Celestine Tower, and how you all helped us take back Garnet Keep and return our family. And true to form, Keldor, you talk too much. Well, Zorin. 
<laughs> Thank you for the thoughtful critique. It helps at least get us started. Started doesn't even cut it, kid. Kid? I'm not much younger than you. Well, considering I'm in charge, it's kid. Regardless, the worshipper of the sea devil is right. Really? Wait, devil worshipper? What? <laughs> I mean, Zorin, you still haven't explained. Why are you in charge? Cordelia Shieldheart is played by Jolene Frescus. Elaviv Hawklight is played by Jessica Ashley. Ilona the Fair is played by Leslie Beckman. Carag is played by Matthew Bianchi. Mirak is played by Heath Martin. Spilge is played by Robert Lighthall. Zev is played by Robert Lighthall. Zorin, played by Cody Miller. And I'm Mike Ashley, your narrator and the voice of Keldor. Thanks to our patrons, Haley Munoz, Daniel Nichols, Jolene Fresquez, Ryan Dowling, Colin Holmes, and Corey Fouch. You too can support the show by joining our Patreon. We look forward to sharing the tale more when we return in October of 2021 with Season 4. Until then, dear listeners, stay safe and remember the oath.